Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Huh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about a girl on the bleachers who falls in love with the football star. Karma is the guy on the Chiefs coming straight home to me. And by me, I mean Taylor Swift. We are Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is us. If you haven't already guessed today, we are diving right into the cultural impact of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's high-profile relationship, like the relationship of our era. Uh, the true American royalty. <laughs> uh, and later in today's episode, we'll be hearing from LA Times columnist Amy Kaufman, who has really been on the front lines of Swellsy mania. Swellsy travelor. Yeah. I don't know. I go back and forth. Me too. She just got back from the Super Bowl, so we are really excited to get her insights later on. So just to fill you guys in a little bit about what we're doing today, this is actually the first in a new type of episode that we're trying out. We're calling it Love 101. We're going to be talking about iconic public relationships. And in this sort of like bonus series, we're going to be dissecting the on-screen relationships that have gripped our attention, defined cultural eras, and just like made these big moments that we all watch play out together. We're going to be talking about celebrity couples like Taylor and Travis, but also diving into some famous fictional relationships like Ross and Rachel from Friends, for example. We'll talk royal romances like Princess Diana and Prince Charles, other historical power couples, and beyond. In each of these bonus episodes, we're going to have a little, like, entry-level seminar on the couple in question. So we're going to brush up on their meet-cute, their relationship history. We're going to discuss their cultural impact and resonance. And we're going to even try to map out, like, the different romance tropes that each relationship exemplifies. 
We'll even leave you with some suggested further research, like movies, TV shows, books that you might enjoy if you're particularly gripped by this couple. And of course, we'll invite experts on these relationships to join us to provide additional insight, um, like Amy Kaufman today. And, and we're really looking forward to talking to people who can tell us even more about these couples we're fascinated by. So welcome to Love 101, Taylor and Travis edition. So as we've said, today we'll be discussing what we think is kind of the most important public relationship of our time, our time being the winter of 2023 to 2024. I, I mean, this, that is literally our time. Claire, yes. So show me the lie. The most important public relationship <laughs> of right now. Uh, Taylor Swift, a global pop icon, and Travis Kelsey, the multiple Super Bowl winning tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. He is one of the biggest stars of the NFL, and that predates his getting together with Taylor Swift, no matter what the Swifties say. <laughs> Just a little disclaimer before we get started. Um, we know that people have a lot of very intense feelings about cultural figures like Taylor Swift. So we just want to say up front that the point of this discussion is not to litigate Taylor Swift or Travis Kelsey's goodness or the validity of their relationship, but really to interrogate the cultural impact of their public-facing relationship and the cultural forces that have made it such a phenomenon. Yes. And, you know, just to set the expectations up front, Emma, you and I are not exactly Swifties ourselves. I think we both enjoy a lot of Taylor Swift's music. We have certainly paid attention to her over the years. Um, but it's not a part of my identity. Like, I don't spend a lot of time on Taylor Swift. There's plenty of her music I haven't heard. I I just don't really see that as part of my identity in the way that a lot of people do. Um, so if you're, if you're looking for a podcast by diehard Swifties, this is probably not going to be it, but we we did try to come into it informed, and we have a lot of thoughts about Taylor and her brand and about her relationship with with Travis. Exactly. We just want to be upfront always about our own limitations. Um, <laughs> so, as two, I'd say Taylor Swift admirers, yeah, uh, listeners, frequent listeners frequent of listeners. Taylor Swift's music. Mm -hmm. She was, I think, my number one artist on Spotify last year. So don't worry. Yeah. We're not coming in totally blind. And we do <laughs> like everything that we tackle. We take this topic seriously and we did a bunch of research. And that's also why we're talking to Amy. So we're going to run through the timeline of this relationship pretty quickly. But it felt important for us to do this because so much of kind of the fever pitch of the public response to their relationship has to do I think, with the rollout of it mm -hmm. and the little bits and pieces that we saw over time. So this all started in July 2023. Travis was talking on his podcast, New Heights, a podcast he has with his brother, another football player, Jason Kelsey. And he talks about how he attended a Taylor Swift concert during the Eras tour and wanted to shoot his shot. I believe we have a clip of what he says. Speaking of Taylor Swift, I know you went to the Taylor Swift concert. How was it? Yeah, well, I was... 
disappointed that she doesn't talk before or after her shows because she has to save her voice for the 44 songs that she sings. So I was a little butthurt. I didn't get to hand her one of the bracelets I made for her. You made her a bracelet? Yeah. If you're up on uh, Taylor Swift concerts, there are friendship bracelets. And I received a bunch of them being there, but I wanted to give Taylor Swift one with my number on it. Not right now. Your number's in 87 or your phone number? You know which one. <laughs> she doesn't meet anybody, or at least she didn't want to meet me, so I took it personal. She probably just hasn't gotten over the Super Bowl yet. She's a big Eagles fan. Maybe she just made something up and just didn't want to talk to you. Damn it. <laughs> Jason is like the big uh, Eagles star who is uh, sort of beloved in Philadelphia, so a little extra shot at Travis there. <laughs> Honestly, he's a delight. I really I love don't Jason. grown to in- enjoy Jason Kelsey. Yeah, he is he's, he's the one I would want to marry probably. Yeah, he's my relatable <laughs> king. So we learned later when Travis did a pretty wide-ranging interview with Wall Street Journal that he had someone playing Cupid between himself and Swift right, basically right after this episode came out and she ended up reaching out to him directly by way of their mutual friend. And he told the Wall Street Journal There were definitely people she knew that knew who I was in her corner who said, yo, did you know he was coming? I had somebody playing Cupid. People have speculated that this Cupid could potentially be actor Miles Teller, who's friends with both Kelsey and Swift. And you probably saw, if you're paying attention, Miles and his wife, Keely, uh, at several high-profile Chiefs games, including the Super Bowl with Taylor Swift. Apparently, there's also a connection to Travis by way of one of Taylor's Eras Tour backup dancers, Cameron Saunders, who is the brother of one of the other Chiefs players. So, unclear, but this is something fans like to speculate (laughs) about. I mean, this is like an incredible start to the relationship. It's like going on a podcast as sliding into the DMs. Like, this is the next level of celebrity dating is like saying on a podcast, I want to date her. Because you can't even slide into her DMs. She's way too famous for that. You can't even meet her at her concert, even though you're also famous. She's too famous for that. You have to do a public shout out on your podcast. Yeah, you have to just put it out into the universe and hope that one of your mutually famous friends will just do that work for you. And Travis really got fucking lucky with this one. (laughs) So after they chatted for a bit, they ended up going on their first date and having dinner in New York. Uh, Before their relationship was ever made public, she later confirmed to Time Magazine in her Person of the Year profile that this was over the summer, right after he, quote, very adorably put her on blast on his podcast, which he also (laughs) describes as metal as hell. And I was like, Taylor, I don't know if you know what that means. That's not metal. She's always like, this is so goth punk. And I'm like, it is not. It is a pop punk or or pop song. Uh, But yeah, she says they started dating quite early after that July podcast. Yeah. So they had about a month out of the spotlight. And then the relationship went semi-public in September On September 12th, The Messenger reported that Swift and Kelsey had been, quote, quietly hanging out. And a source told Entertainment Tonight that the couple was not officially dating. There was, like, a lot of messaging from both sides that, like, yeah, maybe this is happening, but it's NBD. Yeah. There was so much, like, her people or his people 
talking to various, you know, magazines and outlets to offer these little quotes that are just like, they're dating, but it's not serious. <laughs> now it's getting a little bit more serious. They're really excited to see where this could go. And so a lot of the the public uh, perception of the relationship is shaped through these clearly, like, probably PR planned leaks to, like, anonymously sourced leaks to these different publications to kind of shape public expectation around Look. what their relationship was going to be. Tree Payne, who is famously Taylor Swift's publicist, she's a goddamn master. So we know that whatever <laughs> was coming out was definitely by design. On September 21st, Travis said on the Pat McAfee show that he had invited Taylor to a Chiefs game. So this is kind of a turning point because I think that the relationship really blew up publicly on September 24th when Taylor attended that Chiefs game. She was photographed with Mama Kelsey, and sources confirmed that it was her first time meeting Travis's family. This is also when we get our first video of Taylor and Travis walking out of the game together, and it is very cute. Claire, do you want to take a look and describe what you're seeing in this clip? (laughs) I remember this now. Yes, I remember this now. Okay, so he's wearing what looks like a canvas uh, jacket, like chore jacket and pants that have both been... A matching set, if you will. Yeah, it looks like he wore them both while he was painting a room, sort of a bright cerulean blue. And he has his classic mustache uh, look. Taylor's next to him in a white tank top and like a chief's jacket tied around her waist. And they're both sort of politely greeting people and the press as they walk out of the arena. I mean, yeah, this was just intoxicating to fans. Huge, huge, (laughs) huge moment. A source told Entertainment Tonight after this, Taylor is enjoying some time off from touring, and it's been fun hanging out with Travis during this break. Taylor wants a guy that's into his career, does his own thing, but is also supportive and understands her, and Travis fits those qualities. They also go out after this game. They buy out an entire restaurant, and we get all of these TikToks of diners who had had their dinners cut a little bit short, who then found out that Taylor Swift had footed all of their bills. And this is also when we get— She really is. This is also when we get the first TMZ photo of Travis and Taylor being a little bit bit affectionate during this party. Then in October, things start to get more serious. This is when we really start to hear more of those leaks saying like, oh, they're actually starting to see this as something more than a fling. Things are really intensifying. She goes to another Chiefs game with a bunch of celebrity friends, Blake Lively, Sabrina Carpenter, Hugh Jackman— These games are how I find out who Taylor (laughs) Swift is friends with. (laughs) I had no idea. Um, And a source tells Us Weekly that this relationship is different than her previous relationship with actor Joe Alwyn. Quote, Taylor has decided she's not going to hide anymore. She's going to be her authentic self and enjoy life. Joe was notoriously private, and their relationship was kept very much under wraps throughout throughout the, like, entire six years they were together. Yeah, I found that quote to be so telling. (laughs) Yeah, uh, almost a bit of a jab, but in a very polite way. Uh, She starts attending Chiefs games more regularly, and they make uh, surprise appearances on SNL. They are photographed heading to the after party, and they stay there until 4 a.m., where there were a lot of highly detailed accounts from sources about just how sweet and touchy they were with each other and how frequently, like, Travis circled back to her to kiss her and check in with her. (laughs) 
almost too detailed, but thank you for your service to these sources. <laughs> Soon after this, on October 27th, on October 22nd, a source told the messenger that Taylor has been having a lot of fun and is soaking it all in with Travis. They still aren't putting a label on it, but it's getting serious. It definitely isn't a fling. In November, Travis makes a big move. He has a week off and he flies down to Argentina to attend Taylor's Eras tour. On November 11th, while he is in the audience, off stage with her dad, I think. Yes. She changes the lyrics to Karma to reference Travis. So instead of Karma is the guy on the screen coming straight home to me, she sings Karma is the guy on the Chiefs coming straight home to me. So thank God she wasn't dating someone from like the, t- the Buccaneers or something. <laughs> that would have been a mess. But this is such a huge moment. Like the whole arena just explodes. Travis puts his hands up to his face, looking sort of embarrassed and surprised, but like in a cute way. And then he like lifts his hands and starts dancing. Like it just is one of those moments where you do feel like you're watching a romantic moment in a movie. It's adorable. It feels, he later said that he was not, that he had some clue, like maybe it had been mentioned before that she could do that, but he didn't expect it to happen. And you see that sort of like moment of surprise and like, he's sort of swooning that she's done this romantic thing for him. We actually have a clip of what he says on that podcast. Oh, yes. How does it feel to officially be uh, the guy on the Chiefs? (laughs) You mean karma? Karma. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, I had no clue that, uh, well, I might have had a little bit of a clue, but um, definitely when I heard it come out of her mouth, uh, still shocked me. And uh, Yeah, you could tell in the video. I was like, it was pretty... Oh, she really just said that. You were so shocked you left Scott hanging. (laughs) (sighs) Scott's over here looking for a high five. Yeah, Mr. Swift, I apologize, big guy. (laughs) Her dad, like, loves Travis. It's so obvious also in these, in all, every clip you see of them together. Apparently Uh, her dad's a big, big football guy. Yeah, I can see that. So after this momentous, momentous karma is the guy on the Chiefs moment, we get another arguably maybe the most momentous moment Mm -hmm. in their relationship thus far. Like, it tops the karma as the guy on the Chiefs moment. Because right after this concert, we get a public kiss. Taylor is captured running to Kelsey after she finishes performing and just basically, like, throwing herself into his arms, giving him a big kiss. They both look so happy. And this just sets off an absolute frenzy because this moment is videoed from all angles. There's a million TikToks and it is just so deeply adorable. And I think solidifies in the public mind that this is, this is a real relationship. On November 20th, Travis's big Wall Street Journal magazine story comes out. And this is when he goes into more detail about his relationship with Swift. He praises her intellect. He says, being around her, seeing how smart Taylor is, has been fucking mind-blowing. I'm learning every day. He praises her values and how she values her family and also addresses the public attention that the relationship has gotten. Because obviously this has, this has catapulted him into a different a different stratosphere of fame and also introduced him to all of these new people that probably would have no clue who he was otherwise. 
He said, obviously, I've never dated anyone with that kind of aura about them. I've never dealt with it. But at the same time, I'm not running away from any of it. The scrutiny she gets, how much she has a magnifying glass on her every single day, paparazzi outside her house, outside every restaurant she goes to, after every flight she gets off. And she's just living, enjoying life. When she acts like that, I better not be the one acting all strange. Oh, Travis. <laughs> what a what an aspiring wife guy. In December, Taylor is named Time's Person of the Year. And she gives this wide-ranging interview. And in it, she does address this relationship with Travis, which is quite public at this point. And this is when she reveals that she and Travis were already a couple when she attended her first Chiefs game. She said, quote, by the time I went to that first game, we were a couple. I think some people think that they saw our first date at that game. We would never be psychotic enough to hard launch a first date. (laughs) And (laughs) I thought this was so funny because, of course, they they set it up to look that way. Like he had just asked her publicly to go and then she happened to show up. And that was very carefully done. But she doesn't want it to seem that way. You know, when she addresses how public this relationship is in the profile, she says, oh, when you say a relationship is public, that just means I'm going to see him do what he loves and we're showing up for each other. Other people are are there and we don't care. And the opposite of that is you have to go to an extreme amount of effort to make sure no one knows that you're seeing someone. And we're just proud of each other. And I mean, this is like both sweet and true. And also it's very clear that they are carefully stage managing or she is carefully stage managing the way that the public elements of their relationship are playing out. And that includes him, like, publicly inviting her to a game that he had already privately invited her to and that she had privately agreed to go to because they were already dating. (laughs) No, that's so, that's such a good point. She also, in this interview, addresses the misogynist backlash that has kind of begun to brew regarding her presence at football games and the way that the camera will for a handful of seconds during each several-hour game cut away to her. She says... I'm just there to support Travis. I have no awareness of if I'm being shown too much and pissing off a few dads, brads, and chads. This is also when people really start wildly speculating about Taylor and Travis. Are they going to get engaged? Are they about to break up? You know, there are all these conflicting reports about it. Um, Page Six reported that Scott, uh, Taylor's dad, had been asked for his blessing and had given it. Um, Two days later, a different source told The Messenger that there are no plans for an engagement anytime soon, which makes a lot more sense, to be (laughs) honest. Uh, And we also see her start to be sort of integrated more into, they're integrating more into each other's social and familial groups. Uh, On December 22nd, the Chiefs star quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, gives an interview where he refers to Taylor as part of the team. And this becomes a big part of the swifty uh enthusiasm about the chiefs is that they see her really being embraced by the team and they just love that for her uh on christmas taylor attends a chiefs game with her parents who are photographed talking with travis's mom who is you know as the mother of two big star (laughs) football players on different teams who have faced each other in some pretty big games over the years. She is already, already kind of like a public figure in her own right. Mama Kelsey. (laughs) And then on on December 31st, they attend a new year's party together in Kansas city. And there is a video of them kissing. It's really cute. It's very cute. And then we come to the beginning of this year where we are right now 
in January slash February, we see Taylor continue to go to every Chiefs game that she can. She she skips some of them because she, you know, has her own career and engagements, like the <laughs> Eras Tour and uh, the Grammys, et cetera, other things she needs mm, to small prepare things. for, just small little things. But we we see some pretty big content moments coming out of the games she does attend. She wears a custom jacket made by Christian Juszczyk, who is the wife of one of the players of the 49ers. Um, and she actually got a, an official licensing deal with the NFL as a result of how viral this jacket goes. Taylor and Brittany Mahomes are wearing like matching custom jackets. And she's photographed leaving this game with Travis holding hands. When the Chiefs play the Buffalo Bills on January 21st, after Travis scores a touchdown, he puts his hands into a heart shape and blows a kiss. And then he later says, this wasn't for Taylor. That was for the Bills fans, which... I actually hmm. very much believe that. I Maybe. feel like people are very <laughs> excited to read everything he does as being about Taylor. And I think he's probably pretty focused on the game, which is one of the <laughs> fascinating things about their about their public relationship to me. Yeah, this was a fascinating moment to me too for that reason, because people were like, Taylor puts her hands in a heart sometimes. <laughs> and now Travis did it. So yeah. this is about her. And he's like, that was to to lessen the yeah. tension because we were in in Bill's country. That was about sports ball. <laughs> I, yeah. I think that for a lot of uh not for not for all Swifties, but for some, there is this element where it's like there's a complete newness to the culture of football that, you know, it's like a foreign, a foreign country entering. On January 28th, the Chiefs beat the Ravens in the AFC championship, and that means they will be headed to the Super Bowl. And Taylor runs down to the field after the win. They are filmed kissing and hugging and talking. I saw so many, like, posts about this footage after this game. People obsessed over it. People were speculating about what they were saying, turning the volume all the way up. And, I, you know, I think the conclusion is that Travis said something like, I love you so much, it's not funny. And yes, that, that is confirmed. Says, because the NFL actually ended up putting out an yeah. official video of this moment with subtitles, which is and absolutely it was hilarious. Clearer. They had yeah. much clearer audio than we previously <laughs> had. And I believe that Taylor says, um, I've never been so proud ever. And Sweet. during this, uh, Taylor is wearing a diamond bracelet that Travis had bought her, which has TNT engraved in the center for Travis and Taylor. I mean, my God, these two are so corny. On February 5th, a source told E.T. Entertainment Tonight that, quote, Travis is in love with Taylor and he's never been happier. Taylor's feelings are mutual and she is so happy and feels comfortable with Travis. She loves that she can be open with their relationship, live her life, and enjoy this special time together. So things are looking, really looking yeah. up and looking serious for these two as, as the Chiefs head into the Super Bowl. On February 9th, in the ramp-up to the Super Bowl, Amy Kaufman, who will be on the show in just a few minutes, was there to ask Travis a question about why people are so obsessed with his relationship. And we have a clip of his answer. Everyone is so captivated with your relationship. Some people have likened you to the American Royals because you're a football player. She's a pop star. Why do you think everyone's so fascinated with you two? Um, I think uh, the values that we stand for and just, uh, you know, who we are as people. We, uh, we love the 
uh, shine light on others, shine light around the people that, that, that help and support us. Um, and on top of that, we just, I, I feel like we both have a, just a love for life. I love that how the lack of neurosis in his response. There's yeah. no like, I don't know why, man. It's so weird. Or or who would be obsessed with me? He's just like, we're great. I think <laughs> I'm great. She's great. People love great people. So it all adds up. Yeah, it's so nonchalant. <laughs> it's so true. Oh, so this really gears us up for the main event, which is, of course, the Super Bowl. Taylor books it to Las Vegas all the way from Tokyo, where she was on her Eras tour. And she shows up to the game with Blake Lively, Keely and Miles Teller, Lana Del Rey, Ice Spice, and other celebrity pals, as well as both of her parents, to cheer on Travis and the Chiefs. And our gal Amy, our dear friend Amy, who's coming on just, just after this, catches the moment when the Chiefs win and the entire crew is absolutely freaking out during overtime. This was like such a wild moment. And Amy is the one who, if you have seen any of the footage, <laughs> she is like yeah. right below them. After the Chiefs win, a video is released of Taylor meeting Travis down on the field again. And we do have a clip of that. Thank you for oh, coming, I baby. I can't believe that. Thank I you. I can't believe you. Thank you for the support. How did you Thank do you for that? coming. <laughs> Thank you for making it across that way across the world. You're the best, baby. Oh my god. The absolute best. Was it electric? It was unbelievable. They're fully miking them now <laughs> to get the <laughs> The NFL is like, we cannot have any more confusion about what they're saying on the field. After this win, they attend the Chiefs after party. There's so much footage of them like in the club. <laughs> adorably dancing and singing along together to love story her her classic hit and you know jason kelsey is in the corner dancing on like a luchador mask <laughs> and he remains my primary focus at all times i it's just incredible absolutely love the footage of this because there is something so unself-conscious about the way that taylor is dancing with travis like it's her music, but if you didn't know that she was the one who sang that song and you were just like an alien dropping in, looking at this footage, you'd be like, oh, that nice girl and her boyfriend having a great time at the club. Yeah. This is, you know, I used to dance and sing along to Love Story in exactly this way in college, you know, at like a a, a party or a bar. Right just going crazy with my friends or like a guy I was hanging out with in the corner, singing to each other the, the words and dancing. I've never seen Taylor Swift herself have an interaction like the one that I was having to her music 15 years ago. But that has now happened thanks to the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, truly, thank you. We have all benefited from this, this beautiful win. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will be introducing LA Times columnist Amy Kaufman, who can really speak to the experience of witnessing Taylor and Travis's love and all of the fan frenzy around it firsthand. Can you keep up? I like love it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like 
take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com 
slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. For this next segment, we've brought in a very special guest, a Swelsey expert here to illuminate this relationship a little bit for us is friend of the pod and LA Times columnist Amy Kaufman, who was just at the Super Bowl. Like, you could see Taylor Swift from where you were. Thank you so much for joining us to share this experience with us and and also your expertise. My expertise, yes. aka just <laughs> loving them obsessively. That is That's, expertise when it know, comes that to, really to fandom. <laughs> so that okay. actually kind of brings us to our first set of questions. We are curious, what was your relationship to Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey as individual celebrities before they got together? Okay, so I did actually know who Travis Kelsey was prior to him dating um, Taylor, unlike a lot of Swifties, because... Uh, my boyfriend loves football and the only part of football I like is saying, who is that hot guy? And (laughs) I noticed him. And then when he hosted SNL, I thought he was like actually really funny and good. And last year I got to cover the Vanity Fair Oscar party and he was there. And the rules at that party are like, you're kind of just supposed to do on the, um, fly on the wall reporting and not like approach any celebrities unless they deign to speak to you. (laughs) But like, I kind of broke the rule for Travis Kelsey because he walked by and I was like, Hey, I was like, you were so good on SNL and you like no shade, but you're an athlete. So I kind of thought you, I didn't know you were going to do. And then you were like, so funny. And he was like, Oh man, like, thanks so much. And I was like, (laughs) I like texted Ben, my boyfriend. And I was like, Oh my God, I met, I met Travis Kelsey. (laughs) And so I kind of feel like a little bit of like ownership of like liking him before. You're like, I was there (laughs) first. Yeah. Yeah, Except that means nothing. But, uh, (laughs) And then with Taylor, like, I wouldn't describe myself as a hardcore Swifty in that, like, I never dissected the Easter eggs of the lyrics and, like, listened to, like, waited for the Taylor's version releases to come out, like, on the dot. Like, I really love her music and pay attention to her in a pop culture way. But, like, um, part of why I have loved her and, t- and Travis together is because I feel like we've seen an entirely different version of Taylor Swift. Like, if I'm being honest, I kind of thought she was always a little too, like, prim and proper and, like, very on message all the time and, like, didn't really, like, I just felt like it wasn't maybe authentic. And Travis era Taylor is so, I don't give a fuck. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> the videos from the parties after the Super Bowl and everything, I'm like, this is the girl that I like. Like, not Grammys on stage, Taylor. Like, I don't give a fuck, Taylor. Have you been, were you paying really close attention to this relationship the whole time? Like, from early days? Or, or like, at what point did you really clock in and realize, oh, shit, I'm invested in this celebrity relationship? Um, okay, so let's think back. She first showed up to a game, right? That was the first public appearance we had. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, I think I cared then again, only as like, I don't have to be on my phone the entire time. My boyfriend's watching this football game on Sunday. Um, And I was like, Oh, look up now. That's exciting. Um, And it was really like, 
I mean, I was interested the whole time, but when the Argentina footage came out from that concert of her running to him after the show, I was like, oh my God, like this is doing something to me emotionally. Like I'm, I I care so much about them and their happiness and like, what's wrong? (laughs) Yeah. What about you guys? Are you, are you, what is your level of interest in them? Yeah, I think that none of us probably on this uh, call really identify as Swifties per se. Um, I enjoy her music, but I I honestly, there probably are a good number of her albums I have not even listened to all the way through. Mm. I just, I like some of her music. It's fun. I'm not that invested in her as a, as a fan. Um, Travis Kelsey, I did know about for years because I watched his reality dating show when it came out, mm. Catching Kelsey. Yeah, I watched that. I watched <laughs> that when it came out. And at the time, I was like, who cares about Travis Kelsey? But right. I got to know him at, in the course of watching this reality show. He's very goofy and like charming, but in such a doofusy way. And uh, I found it really funny to, to, see his personality on the show it was so different than what i expected i think and then i clocked back in like five years later and he was one of still one of like the star tight ends of the league and now he's dating taylor swift and i kind of avoided paying attention to their relationship until last week oh when we did yeah when we decided to do this podcast claire (laughs) was like i guess i should not actively avoid all coverage of their relationship. I'm somewhere in between. I also don't consider myself to be a hardcore Swifty, but I've been really into her music since like 1989 era. I was not a super early Taylor Swift fan. I think her music read as a bit young to me. um, And I've enjoyed her more and her more, slightly more adult era. And also once she moved from country to pop, it's probably yeah. part of it too. Um, folklore and Evermore been a long were like the big albums that, for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> folklore and Evermore, I loved. They were really my COVID soundtrack, and my boyfriend and I would just listen to both albums all the way through driving upstate in the middle of COVID. Um, and so, yeah, I've been like pretty interested in her ever since. But like you, Amy, I've never dissected lyrics. I don't know. I, I don't know all of her history and every person she's dated, but there was something to me about this relationship. And Travis Kelsey was, could have been like literally anyone to me. Like I'd heard the name. <laughs> I'd heard the point. name, yeah. but like I didn't, I probably couldn't have picked him well, out of a crowd to be perfectly you, honest. You I'm not a football a, You fan. don't have a football spouse like Amy and I exactly, do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> My boyfriend does not care about football and I don't care about football. So it's you more just like- so blessed. Yeah, yeah, I do. I honestly really do. Um, but it was probably around the time, yeah, that the Argentina footage happened. And then when Taylor and Brittany Mahomes showed up wearing the matching- custom jackets to that Chiefs game. And one of my best friends is a Chiefs fan. She grew up in Kansas City. And so I started watching the games for the last few weeks leading up to the Super Bowl with her and our other friend. And I was like, who am I? What's going on? (laughs) But I was really just there because maybe I might see them kiss. I I wanted to bring it back to something that, that you said, Amy, which is that 
you were a little bit almost like surprised at yourself or like, who am I? Or like embarrassed maybe to realize that you were really invested in this relationship. And I think that's kind of why I avoided paying attention because it feels almost sort of like it brings out a very youthful part of myself that I've tried to put away to be invested Mm. in this kind of relationship. Like if I really got into it, it might be almost vulnerable in this weird way to tap into that side of my like fantasy life. And it felt much easier to just be like, that's not something that's relevant to my life. I'm not going to spend time paying attention to their relationship. And so I think like even by avoiding it, it was almost like a concession to the power of (laughs) what their relationship represents to women um, like us. And I'm curious, like, what you think this relationship has really tapped into and why it has that immense power. Like, what is your number one theory for why so many people have become totally obsessed with this relationship? Well, first of all, I really think that's an astute observation and you're really self-aware to say that about your experience with it. Um, So the first thing I wrote about Travis and Taylor was an essay sort of like trying to get to the bottom of this very question, um, sort of at the top of the year. And I even called this woman who I spoke to during the Bachelor book era, who um, like studies our brains in MRI machines, like when we're falling in love and stuff. Basically, my question was the feelings that I'm getting when I'm watching these clips of them, you know, in Argentina or kissing on the field or whatever, like what is happening to like, is there some biological reason that I'm having such a like sort of sense of euphoria or like warmth watching this? And she said that it was something called like emotional contagion where it's really like, any like if I see you yawn, then I yawn. Or like, if you're eating, then like, I feel hungry. Like that happens to us all the time. And so if they're running to each other and kissing, it like brings up in us the same feeling of like when we first fell in love and like those same chemical reactions are happening in our body, which makes sense to me. Um, And also like, so I went back a little bit in my own history and thought about my high school experience. And there was this guy in high school who was a football player um, freshman year who came to our school and I had a huge crush on him. And I did not like that kind of guy, like a jockey I think I like was being self-protective too. Like I was just like, that kind of guy will never like me. So I'm not even going to have mm-hmm. a crush on the like perfect looking guy. I just <laughs> Relatable. Like, like, yeah. 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 Like, we are artistic, the same. <laughs> artistic guys. Um, but this guy, for whatever reason, he, I called him the quarterback in the story because he was the quarterback. Um, he like really hung out with me and my friends and thought we were cool. And so I like assumed the role of like, his confidant and he would like tell me all this stuff about his life and who he had crushes on. And long story short, he ended up falling for um, my best friend who was like one of those girls who everyone loves. Like every guy you like always loves your best friend. And (laughs) I sent him this voice recording confessing my love for him basically, or my crush on him. And then I left for overnight camp for eight weeks and bold. Yeah. That was like, wow deeply tragic and uh, <laughs> that's such he, a taylor coded thing to do though well so that so yeah so i like so i um and then he like wrote me a letter being like and he was really like he was like he used to call us kid me and my friend like oh he's like 
A to the M E, like kid, like I didn't know you felt this way. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, um, intoxicating. So I was just like, okay, maybe there's something about that in there of my history. And then exactly what you're saying, Claire. I was like, Taylor Swift would have done something like that, and she is cringy in all the same ways. And like now, she's kind of like she's her whole thing is like, don't feel bad about your feelings or like doing really over the top embarrassing shit or like just putting it all out there and her ending up with a stereotypical jock guy you never thought would pay attention to you like their relationship is sort of representative of that to me I think yeah that makes a lot of sense to me it is this I think this kind of wish fulfillment for so many straight women especially straight women who were raised on romance novels, rom-coms, like there is this separation in persona between the two of them that falls into familiar tropes, which makes sense then why it would fill us with dopamine to see this love story play out publicly. Yeah, I feel like so much of this has to do with like the way that Taylor Swift has made herself into like this every girl. And part of me when I read your piece and you reference like the girl on the bleachers getting the guy. I was like, well, she's the cheerleader. She's an international pop star. She's beautiful. She's like model-esque. She has it all. She's not the girl on the bleachers anymore. But of course, a huge part of her brand is this idea that you can be the girl on the bleachers and also triumph without ever really crossing over and being a cheerleader. Like she still doesn't seem sexy or cool or edgy as she has said she's like that's not who I am she's just like someone who's so good at telling stories and so good at songwriting and that's kind of the brand of how she succeeded I think that feels so accessible to to so many more women to be like well I could be someone who was just so honest and so good at telling my own story that the quarterback fell in love with me. I feel like that that allows this sort of ease of projecting ourselves onto her in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And like, what's the lyric? Like, sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby and I'm a monster <laughs> on the hill. I like, love yeah. that lyric. Yeah. I mean, I it's my editor had that same reaction, Claire, when I was initially talking about it, which was like, what are you talking? Like, she's beautiful and like so popular and like she is not at all uh sort of like you know she could have whatever she wants and it's like I really genuinely don't think she sees herself that way (laughs) I think she still identifies as like you know the girl in the bleachers yeah yeah a lot of that is just about self-identification right it's like I still feel not cool I still feel not sexy even if she's achieved all the external markers of that and that that, that makes her a bridge between what we aspire to have and what we feel we actually are. Whereas someone who just seems effortlessly glamorous and sexy doesn't allow us to, like, climb that bridge in the same way, which yeah. I think is such a fascinating thing about her brand. That's such a good point. Like, yeah, she manages to collapse the space between the aspirational and the relatable. And that is both, I think to an extent, authentically how she feels and also has made her a uh, very big business. Right. <laughs> you know, there, yeah. it, it has allowed her to appeal to a really, really, really wide swath of people. And yeah, I think that that then when she 
enters into a very public relationship when she's having this massive moment, it allows so many of us to project all sorts of things onto her. And certainly a large segment of people project their romantic fantasies onto her and Travis. Have you seen, there's like some theories on TikTok that people have about her fashion sense, which is oft maligned, I will say. (laughs) I mean, she's Um, not, look, she's not a a fashion plate. She's, it's not her. She's a storyteller. (laughs) The greatest storyteller. Literally are like, think that she intentionally chooses to be wearing things that are considered not stylish because that makes her more relatable, which I think is conspiracy theory-ish. That's how intense people think she takes that brand. That's fascinating. I think that a lot of people, myself included, sometimes struggle with this, you know, the the separation and the the overlap between Taylor as a person and Taylor as a brand. And we can analyze her brand and then it's easy to get caught up in the question of like, well, is that her brand? Because she's being very calculated about it or has she just figured out how to sell and tap into connecting to the audience through sort of being who she is? Like, is she just kind of not that fashionable and that happens to play very well with the audience she's built? Or is she doing it in this cynical way? It's it's not something that I think we can ever really know. Yeah. Um, but the brand functions the same way regardless, right? I, like, Yeah, I think that's why I'm more interested in analyzing her persona rather than trying to litigate her as an individual when she is not someone any of us have a personal relationship with. Um, and I almost think it's impossible to tease out for any celebrity, like, what is business and what is brand and what is their true self. Like, it's all kind of mixed into one at a certain point. I think especially when someone has been famous for that long. And also, it kind of makes sense that her brand would be so strongly identified with the person that she felt like internally as a young teenager, which is when she started becoming famous. So I don't know. You guys feel like... That tracks. Maybe this is just me, but like I really like I mean you, you probably see, like I still like post sometimes like my old journals or like like I really um feel like I am who I was when I was 13 at my core so yeah. I understand that and yeah I mean another reason I like her so much it's like yeah. this time you were like this raw like I just always like aspire to get back to that girl in some way because she like was so unafraid of expressing her feelings and like like could sit in her room and like make collages and do stupid creative things. And like, just felt like the possibility for what love could hold and what your life had this possibility for was like so exciting. And I always think like, I don't know. I just, I love that age, even though as messy as it was. I think that's so interesting per our earlier discussion, because I think I'm still super embarrassed by who I was at 13. And I'm always trying to run away from that. (laughs) I'm like, I'm much more serious than that girl. (laughs) No, I think that's exactly the reaction of like my best friend who I wrote about in that story. When we were going back over this, she was like, I cannot believe that you can read all those things. I feel physical revulsion looking at the way I was then. And I'm like, why? You were third, who cares? And like, but you must feel that way, Claire. Like just, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I think that is part of the appeal of Taylor Swift to a lot of, 
especially white women like ourselves, that she has this radical acceptance of the person that she was at every stage of her life, as she talks about in her Time magazine profile uh, this year. And so that kind of gives a permission to women who identify with her to do the same with their younger selves. Um, I am. I do want to talk a little bit about this relationship and how it's different from other previous relationships we've seen her have, and like what makes this one so exciting. You know that she had the one previously with Joe Allen, but she's had other more public relationships in the past before Joe. Like, what's going on here that makes this one just like such a spectacle to us? I mean, I think my my working theory on this is, first of all, just that her relationship with Joe Alwyn lasted for six years. She has kind of grown into this phase of her adulthood while in a famously private relationship. And I think that our, our cultural relationship to celebrity gossip and a desire to understand who celebrities are in their private moments has grown even in the last six years. I mean, look at things like Dumois, for example. Mm -hmm. I think we have this like obsession with knowing all of these little kind of inconsequential things about celebrities and their lives. So fans and, and also casual observers were just denied access to that part of Taylor's life for quite a long time. And then, so we have Travis Kelsey. She is being much more open about her relationship with him and also, he isn't a fellow creative or someone even tangentially in the music world, which a lot of her, or or an actor, which a lot of her past boyfriends and or situationships have, have been kind of like ultimately two arty kids, even if they're super famous. Um, and so I think that the contrast in Taylor's brand and Travis Kelsey's brand is just really sticky and fun to watch. And then you also have these dual public venues with which to receive more content. We have Mm -hmm. Travis going to Taylor's concerts. We have Taylor going to Chiefs games. Um, And I think that that, yeah, that just creates this like, this this genuine excitement to kind of dive in and pick apart everything that we're being given. Like there's movement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's like a, well, now I'm sad, but there was like a weekly check-in, you know? Yeah. Our weekly date with Travis and Taylor. Exactly. It was like that. And I mean, I've sort of talked about this a little bit already, but like, I think it has a lot to do with like the culture's prizing of certain types of masculinity and like what women find attractive or what have we been taught to find attractive. I don't know how you parse that out for yourself, but to me, again, like that kind of man has at least physically always seemed like, oh, he's like really like big and burly. Like, you know, he called himself like big Yeti. Like that's, you know, like he he'll, he's maybe just because of his stature, like he's, he'll protect you. And like, it's just, I don't know. Like he's proud to be out there. He doesn't like nothing will get in the way of his feelings for her. Like all of that is like, you know, the the early footage we saw of him, like she, she, you know, like he didn't even care about her bodyguards. He could protect her. And like, like uh, he held her hand a certain way. Like they just, the TikToks are wild. But um, I think honestly, like I fall into some of that of like, that's what I 
find attractive. And so that's why I was more interested than, you know, sort of a more, uh, I guess, withdrawn type of man that she's dated. Yeah, I think that's fascinating because I think we are, it's so primed for the cultural moment. I think there is this like resurgent interest and like, gender roles and gender essentialism even like across the political spectrum although i think mm. on the left and liberal side of the spectrum there's it still looks different obviously it looks different <laughs> there's still obviously a political investment in promoting feminism and queer rights and you know all these things but i have noticed that like a lot of people are being much more open about being like oh yeah like look at that big strong man and i'm small girl like even <laughs> if they're not conservative I'm small girl <laughs> Yeah, I'm small girl. He big boy like that weird TikTok. <laughs> and and he like embodies kind of that perfect liberal version of the fantasy where he is like big and masculine and a guy's guy, but also he's not like a macho asshole. He like admires his girlfriend's success. He's not threatened by it because he's also very successful. He's supportive of her. And so he combines sort of those old school like gender expectations that we were socialized to be attracted to but he combines that with those like higher level liberal ideals that we now also seek in a partner and i think that's it's like the perfect storm also he's such a himbo i mean when we dug up his old tweets and they were like i just gave a squirrel a piece of bread and it's made straight smashed all of it i had no idea they ate bread like that and we were all just (laughs) like oh travis like that's himbo energy and we're loving that right now. I think that you're you're tapping into a major appeal of his, Claire, which is is the fact that he is both powerful and doesn't seem threatened by the fact that he is dating someone who is more famous than him, has more money than him, has a higher profile than him. Things that I think a lot of cis straight men feel threatened by. And he has managed to navigate it and quite openly celebrate that. Um, and so, yeah, it is this perfect combination of of this reification of gender roles without feeling totally trapped or like we're going back to to a trad wife it's like, model. Oh, we just took all the toxicity out of those old gender <laughs> exactly. roles. Now they're perfect. Now they're good. Now gender roles are good. <laughs> Amy, before we let you go, we did want to talk about what you witnessed at the Super Bowl and kind of where you think this narrative, this public narrative goes from here now that we've, I'd say, reached the end of an era with the Chiefs winning the yeah. Super Bowl. The end of the movie, the end of the season, yeah. like what's next? I mean, the fact of, I couldn't have scripted the entire Super Bowl experience better. I mean, obviously I write about Hollywood. I When, when I found out the Chiefs were going to the Super Bowl, messaged my editor, slapped my editors literally within seconds. And I was like, um, is there anything I could go to the Super Bowl? <laughs> like, um, and you know, what for by the grace of God, they were able to give me a credential. And like I was hoping when I got there that I would, you know, be see them in the flesh, like Travis or Taylor, like Taylor seemed less likely, but obviously Travis does a bunch of press. Um, and then for me to end up like literally like a foot from her and like them just winning the Super Bowl, going on the field, kissing. I was like, <laughs> it is the fairy tale I wanted. 
Um, and I hope it's not the end of an era. No, oh, yeah. What like what's next? Like, how did they take such a triumphant moment that, like you said, it felt scripted that they were able to actually win the Super Bowl with Taylor there and have her on the field celebrating? How do you go from that high to the next stage of the relationship? Like, what do you see as a possible next step for them? Like, are they going to retrench? Like, is he going to follow her on tour? Like, what do you think would would be this, the next step here? I mean, it's crazy, like, the number of Instagram responses I got this week. Like, people, first of all, thinking I have any actual insight because I saw them <laughs> literally physically. But, being like, do you think that they're, did from what you saw, like, do you think they're really in love? And, like, what's na- what's going to happen? And, like, also just the reactions to two things. That really bad moment where he flipped out on um, Andy Reid and showed you know, not a great flash of anger during the game. And then also when he was singing Viva Las Vegas after the game. Um, <laughs> and she looked so awkward. She, she, she looked like, what is mortified. <laughs> yeah. There were definitely a lot of people who were like, okay, can they really be together? Like, I don't, I don't see it. Like with these, <laughs> they're just so far apart. And like, here's my feelings about this. One, I think she's never been with someone who's so successful and at the top of his field like that. And that is hot to her. And, um, I think that he also like, yeah, he, I'm not, I think by his own admission, he probably would say he's not the most book smart guy. He talks about on his podcast, how he didn't excel in school, you know, all the time. But if you watched him this past week, handling the plethora of questions he was asked about Taylor, he was a it was a master class in like boyfriend goals like he never once got annoyed he handled the i mean he he kind of was like very media trained like didn't really give the most insightful answers but gave answers that were like respectful and kind and like that takes a level of emotional intelligence and savvy for sure so i think it's unfair to like brand him as this like complete himbo because he can't spell spell squirrel which i don't love but try to overlook. Um, that was also but, like 15 years ago, to be fair. To <laughs> right. Um, and I think in some ways, like they're really well matched. So at this point, I would like to see him go on tour with her for a little bit, support her. Um, I have wondered like, okay, Kansas City, he's going to be there for the next few years, right? So if they're together, she's going to have to go there a lot. So in the off season, like, are they going to spend more time in LA, in New York? like? This is the real, I think a lot of people are curious when there's not all this hoopla and it's not so exciting and these big events, you know, the the Grammys and the Super Bowl are happening. Like, what will their relationship be like? But I guess time will tell. I think they need to like be in the same city for a while and not have it be that like long distance. You guys know how long distance yeah. relationships are. Yeah. When you see each other, it's like amazing and exciting. Yeah, I think it would also be an interesting... I mean, he's 34. He's not going to play football forever. So if they stay together that long, there's an interesting tra- transition there as he tries to make himself into an a, an equal partner to her without being a football star. I think that could be an interesting next chapter. Amy, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your your insights on this iconic couple. We really appreciate it. And... uh Please come back soon. Also, everyone should read Amy's story in the LA Times. It's called How Taylor and Travis's Whirlwind Romance is the Love Story We've Been Waiting For. It's such a sweet column. Highly recommend. You can also read all of my adventures in Las Vegas where I went to a strip club 
a <laughs> casino and a wedding chapel that all had yes. Taylor Swift incentives. Yes. What they would offer. <laughs> well, every, everyone is making, making that good money off of Taylor and Travis's relationship. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a delight. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about some of the other cultural resonances of this relationship, like the way that Taylor constructs her own narrative to encourage shipping and fan fiction, and of course, how their relationship has become subject to wild conspiracy theories. Can you keep up? I like love it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender. I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily... I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. And we are back. Okay, Claire, 
we have more thoughts. We have more feelings. We were really so free, free writing in this document, like <laughs> absolute crazy people at midnight, just, just typing away. Yeah. I love to do just a bunch of reading and watching <laughs> clips and then just uh, zone out and type whatever is in my subconscious for three we, hours. We blacked back in and there were 11 <laughs> pages of notes and we were like, oh, I guess we can do an episode now. So yeah. something that you were really excited to talk about that I am also now excited to talk about is kind of this like fan fiction element, the way that the rollout of this relationship has really invited the public to get involved and project a lot of creative romantic narrative onto them. Can you yes. can you explain how how this is happening? I can, yeah, from my perspective, it it was interesting seeing this unfold around the same time that we were watching, for example, like Susie and Justin's relationship oh. unfold on social media, the sort of post-bachelor influencer pairing. I called it couple baiting. It turns out they were actually together, which is a- another cool way for that to pan out. But what was interesting about it was how they were dramatizing for public consumption a version of a private relationship that that was happening. And making enough of it visible that we felt like we were watching it as a constructed piece of media like a movie, even though we couldn't be fully privy to every part of it. And I think that this is a really savvy and like difficult way of of content, of making content that is going to get an audience really invested in you. It's like trying to produce something as you know, dopamine hitting and enticing as a rom-com, but doing it with your actual life and creating enough public content about your life to fuel that. And Taylor is so good at this already because so it is, good. it's what she does. You know, she writes songs that have all these little details and hints about which relationship she is writing about. And, you know, once you know that that, rela- that song is about that relationship, well, did you know that he held on to her scarf all this time? Like, Jake, give her scarf back, you know? And so she creates that sense that you you listen to her songs, not just to put a song to a feeling that you have, but also to, to learn more than you normally would about a celebrity's life, her life. Yeah, I think and, that's such a good point because so much of her music is focused pretty much all of her music is focused on the interior. We feel mm. like we are constantly getting this window into her interior life. And as her relationships cycle in and out, we are we inevitably get little snippets of insight into those relationships. That's part of that. Yeah. And that's part of what has drawn her fans to her. So she also has this fandom that is really excited to dig through her music for Easter eggs and for clues and for cues on how they should think about men that she has dated, you know? Like, is is this guy a bad guy? Should we hate him? Like, <laughs> that's a big part of Swifty culture, too. And uh, I think that she is... One thing that you, that you said uh, when we were talking to Amy that I thought was really interesting is that she retreated into this private relationship for a long time. And before that, she had these public relationships, but it didn't really feel like she was always in control of the narrative around them. And it seems mm-hmm. like she reemerged, ha- kind of retrenched with a very good handle on how to use her skill set to yes. manage the public Im- perception of her relationship. Oh, yes. You know, honestly, I'm now remembering something that I wanted to say earlier and forgot, which is that a lot of the public relationships that she had earlier in her career 
were really not relationships of equals. You know, she was dating Mm -hmm. a lot of men who were significantly older than her, more famous, that she sort of felt subsumed her or took advantage of her, you know, as we've seen in her music about Jake Gyllenhaal or about John Mayer, for example. Mm -hmm. And I think that this relationship is a public relationship and also a relationship of essentially equal partners. Yeah, they both are equally-ish successful in their own fields. They are the exact same age. You know, they have their separate worlds in which they are both extremely dominant and they can they can meet as, you know, captains of industry almost <laughs> instead of, yes. you know, as a mentor-mentee as you might, you know, if you have a very experienced man in the entertainment industry and then Taylor as a younger woman. And I think with Joe, there was also sometimes the feeling that he was holding her back because... He was also in entertainment, but he was not quite as successful and he was insecure about that. That's become a big mm, part of the, yes. the public backlash to Joe since she met Travis and this desire to kind of, you know, tear down her previous relationship yeah, in order to build up the new one. To see the <laughs> exactly. shifting the, the shifting read on Joe that I yeah. yeah, I've seen a lot of narratives emerge that I'm like, and again, I'm not a hardcore Swifty, so maybe that was always kind of lurking underneath the surface, but that negativity around their relationship is not something that I felt, at least as a casual observer, while it was happening. Same. Yeah. And it's, I I think that a lot of people are reading a lot into how different Travis is and what that represents about what she needs that is, that was not given to her in her last relationship. Because again, we feel, a lot of listeners, a lot of fans feel very identified with her and, and we want to, you know, want to be her advocate. Um, and what I think is really fascinating about how this is all played out also is that they're just like giving us these incredible public glimpses of their relationship and not the way a lot of celebrities do where they're like papped on their way to get coffee and they don't have makeup on. It's always like both of them at their best. He's fresh out of a game looking burly and masculine and she's in her red lipstick and a vintage like chief's jacket or something. And they're like having a romantic embrace and then whispering to each other. And maybe we catch a few words, but we can't entirely hear everything they say. And I think that this just like is such catnip for fic writers and shippers. Like, Fan fiction and shipping begin where canon ends, and they are creating just enough canon to inspire really intense fanfic, where we're like, I feel like I'm part of their relationship, but I don't know what they're saying to each other in these private moments. Maybe I heard a couple words, and now I'm kind of, my my imagination is jumping off of that to write the script for the movie of their lives that I'm writing in my head, right? Yeah, like where is the Hallmark or Lifetime version of this story. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I think we have the clip that we discussed earlier from after the Chiefs won the AFC Championship. So let's listen to that. Give us a path, guys. Give us a path. Thank you. Give it clear away, guys. Thank you. Tell you I'm going to enjoy with you guys over here. It's a little more fun. (laughs) Here we go, guys. Give me a path. Thank you. So this is the clearest audio that we have because the NFL did end up putting it out. The first few times I saw this video, it was some like grainy muffled audio that I could, I turn it all the way up. I'd be like, I I can't hear what they're saying, but it would be shared 
with captions like this is definitely what they said to each other and there were competing (laughs) theories for some of the words and phrases like everyone was scripting this moment for them and trying to like suss out like read the tea leaves like what is actually happening between this couple that I'm so intensely identified with in this private moment and it's so captivating. I was like, yes, give me all your theories. Like, I, I'm not in there enough to engage myself, but I <laughs> will watch all of the different interpretations of this interaction. Yeah. And I was like, yes, what did they say? What did they say? I was watching yes. this game with some friends. Like, again, who am I? Why would I ever <laughs> watch football? I continue to believe that the NFL is like, bad and also that football should like probably be illegal because I'm very worried about everyone's brains. And yet I was like, what are they saying? She's so cute. She's so excited (laughs) for him. Tell me, tell me what they said. (laughs) And then this cut, like the audio was ultimately released and we kind of, it confirms some of the, the theories that I saw. Um, like that he says, uh, yeah, I love you so much. It isn't funny. And she says, I'm, I've never been so proud ever. And then there are other times, like when there's a a viral video at a game that spawns a lot of fan theory that turns out to probably be wrong. There was an early example where a camera captured him looking upward in awe. It appeared to be at the stands saying something like with a giant smile on his face. And a lot of people immediately shared it and were like, he's looking up at Taylor in the in the box and he's saying something like, she's right there. And he does have that look of love on his face. Like he looks awestruck. And I think this so tapped into the part of, you know, uh, a lot of women to have a man look at us like that. A lot of A lot of hetero women to have a man look at us with that kind of awe and, and adoration. And then, you know, it maybe turns out from some debunking videos that I watched Barstool put out a pretty convincing one uh, that he was not facing where Taylor was <laughs> in the stands at all. He was probably looking at a replay of himself on the big screen <laughs> across me, the stadium. Literally the funniest thing in the entire world. I'm like, you know what? That is the actual relatable moment, which is you think you see the the look of glowing admiration in a man's face and he's just thinking about himself. He's just thinking about how cool he's he like, is. He's like, wow, like, I'm truly, really, that was, I killed it. Get you someone who looks at you like Travis Kelsey looks at himself on a replay monitor, probably. Uh, I, I, I thought that moment was hysterically funny. Um, but I also, I think this is part of what made me want to distance myself from the fandom around this relationship is that I would be like, it's so easy to let myself have those dopamine hits of enjoying the emotional contagion of feeling like part of their relationship. And then I will be made a fool of, you know, the two fools, uh, because it will turn out that he was just looking at himself on a replay and it wasn't a romantic moment at all. But that's part of making yourself vulnerable. And exactly. That's be- a beautiful. And, and thing. part of the joy about how low stakes this shipping feels, like it doesn't actually matter who he mm-hmm. was looking at. It doesn't actually matter what they were saying to each other. And so it is this safe way to engage in this fantasy life that is collective, which I would also imagine makes it feel even more exciting. We can all, so many of us can connect overexcitement over this thing. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that there is this 
cultural shame that women are often made to feel about being too earnestly into anything, especially something that is coded as girly, you know, girly, feminine, even adult feminine. Um, And so this felt like, okay, we all agree we can like indulge in this, right? Mm Because we're all doing it, so (laughs) fuck off. (laughs) And Taylor does invite it. She encourages it. She was seen wearing Travis's birthstone shortly before the relationship was first leaked. I mean, she knows what she's doing. She's savvy enough to to be aware of the kind of impact these things will have. You know, the way, again, that they staged her appearance at his game for the first time as if she was just responding to his public invite. And then, you know, it turns out she would have never considered doing something like that. It was all kind of manufactured behind the scenes. Uh, You know, changing the lyric in Karma. You know, she is inviting us to feel like we are viewing this relationship as, as a show. And to read into it and to um, and to identify with it in certain ways. And it's interesting because at times she will say, like, oh, I really want to keep my private life, pri- private life private. I don't like how it's always speculated that I'm dating whoever I'm seen, seen with. And this has been a thorn in the side of the Gaylor contingent of her community, which we're not really going to dig into the Gaylor uh, no. element of her fandom but because there's simply you. no time right now, yeah. but we see you. And mm-hmm. we see how how real it is to say uh, she's constantly planning Easter eggs. She's constantly asking us as fans to engage with her work on that level. So why wouldn't we pick up on all of these, in their case, you know, queer-coded Easter eggs that she yeah. seems to be planting? And just want to say, like, if it brings you joy to read queerness from Taylor's public persona and her lyrics, then I think that's amazing. And I think that's also fun and low stakes and a great way to have a dopamine hit. I applaud you, Taylor's. <laughs> yeah. Taylor is putting herself out there and she's like, please read read into my work. Please speculate. Please identify with it in, in all these ways. And so I think that's extremely valid. Um, I think it's also started to play out in some kind of literal and gross ways, uh, which has been the dark side of this fandom element. Um, You know, with interest in this relationship surging, there's also been a lot of interest in romance novels with that use similar tropes or that jump off of this relationship in some way. And there was one instance where this writer who writes under Ivy Smoke published an extremely thinly veiled, smutty romance novel about a pop star and a football player. It was called Roughing the Princess. And it featured a pop singer with the initials TS, a football star with the initials TK. The premise and even quotes from the book are just literally pulled full cloth from the actual Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey relationship. But also there's tons of graphic sex. And so there... (laughs) I mean, that just, you know, to a lot of fans, I think, was crossing a huge line. And so there was a lot of backlash to this, and the novel was ultimately pulled. You can't uh, you can't buy it anymore. Um, but I, I thought that it was interesting to see how this, like, feverish eagerness to, like, identify with this romantic relationship and have it fuel your fantasy life and have it trigger your own feelings of romantic excitement, you know, how that can be both a a brilliant way to fuel your public persona and your stardom, but also it can 
put you in a position to to be, I think, exploited in this way, to have your image treated in this sort of lurid way. We also saw these, like, gross AI-generated pornographic images being made of her and spread all over Twitter, uh, some of which showed her in, like, kind of graphic situations at Chiefs games. And so there is also this way in which, like, putting this relationship out publicly has fueled like a darker side of that fan experience yeah and that brings us i think quite naturally (laughs) to the way in which this relationship has really become fuel for a complete ultra right-wing meltdown Mm -hmm. to set the stage both taylor and travis have done things in the past that kind of prime them to be in a place where the MAGA contingent is not going to be their their biggest fans. Taylor, after years of speculation, Taylor first made her political leanings explicit in 2018. She endorsed uh, the Democratic candidate for Senate in Tennessee, Phil Bresden, over Marsha Blackburn, stating that, quote, I have always and always will cast my vote based on which candidate will protect and fight for the human rights I believe we all deserve in this country. I believe in the fight for LGBTQ rights and that any form of discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender is wrong. I believe that the systemic racism we still see in this country towards people of color is terrifying, sickening, and prevalent. She also then endorsed Joe Biden for president in 2020. And more recently in September, on National Voter Registration Day, Taylor Swift deigned to use her Instagram account to encourage her followers to register to vote. And in in a very short amount of time, more than 35,000 people did that day um, through Vote.org. On the Travis side, Travis (laughs) committed the sin, the ultimate sin, of of appearing in an ad for the Pfizer COVID vaccine. He also has promoted Bud Light, which has come under fire from the MAGA contingent for featuring a trans person one time, Dylan Mulvaney. There was a huge backlash following that. Uh, And as you pointed out, Claire, Travis notably took a knee during the national anthem in 2017 following Colin Kaepernick um, and kneeling with his teammates to protest police brutality against Black people in America. And this was kind of a point at which certain segments of the right started to kind of turn against the NFL. Yeah, we really saw as the Black Lives Matter movement was getting going and that a lot of Black athletes were showing support for it, that this is when we start to see what now looks like a very weird thing, which is people on the right being like, football is bad, actually. Don't give your energy to football. Now that, you know, Black people are expressing opinions instead of just, you know, throwing the ball to each other, we no longer find that to be a valid place to put our attention. <laughs> and Super so that wild. kind of leads us to this current <laughs> moment where we seem to be living in like almost like an upside down compared to where we were 10 years ago, where the right hates and is horrified by the NFL, and a very white, blonde country pop singer, (laughs) which is like everything that they built their brand on. 
Yeah, I find it fascinating, especially the fact that pre-2018, Taylor Swift was kind of held up as this ultimate Aryan figure by by neo-Nazis and far-right online spaces. And yeah, that has just completely flipped upside down. And in the run-up to the Super Bowl, as all of these Taylor Swift fans began rooting for the Chiefs and kind of just getting more involved in discourse surrounding football in the NFL, just extremely wild conspiracy theories started popping up in in right-wing media from right-wing commentators. These theories included that Taylor was a PSYOP engineered by the deep state, that the Super Bowl was fixed in favor of the Chiefs so that Taylor could endorse Joe Biden maybe during the halftime show. Uh, uh, yeah, and also, it was yeah, so exciting you know. when that happened, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Thank incredi- you, Taylor. Yeah, an incredible moment. I, you know, completely forgot about Usher on all of his, like, (laughs) roller skates because the Biden endorsement was so powerful. Um, And also just this idea that the Taylor and Travis relationship is completely fake and constructed, Mm -hmm. which is part of a deep state plot to do something. It's a little unclear. They're not quite specific, but it's definitely part of a plot. It's definitely going to help the, yeah. the Dems. I think it involves reelecting Joe Biden, vaccines, <laughs> all the illegal immigrants, yeah. you know, all these yeah. things. <laughs> I think that, you know, it's 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 it seems to me like these are all kind of stemming from it's this exact thing that we were just discussing, which is the right realizing that all their cultural totems that, that upheld what they thought were there, that, that upheld their values superficially, you know, the people that they looked at and said, that is our, like, white Aryan pop princess. That is our league of men who do men's things and are strong and violent. They realized that some of the people who represented those things for their value system did not agree with them, and it made them, like, lose their minds. Like, they were like, wait, you don't agree with us, but you're our stuff. Like, you do our thing for us, you represent us. And the only reason that you could maybe not actually represent us must be because the government has planted you to undermine us. Yes, that is literally the only, I think we can all agree that that is literally the (laughs) only explanation for this. The only reason that like a woman who works in entertainment might be okay with gay people and feminism. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, I, there's just, I, I started calling it like Taylor derangement syndrome because yeah. like Charlie Kirk is out here saying things like all the Swifties want is swift abortion. A real I mean, if, catchy, you, if you're going to have an abortion, there. I think Swift is Make it is Swift. Yeah. Make it swift. <laughs> Don't drag it out. Don't drag that shit out. <laughs> I mean, we've got former presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy saying, I wonder if there's a major presidential endorsement coming from an artificially, culturally propped up couple this fall. Again, there, there is no way that these two could support Democrats in office other than the, <laughs> if they are programmed by the deep state. And I think a lot of what is going on here is that it, it is that there are a bunch of men who are really insecure and truly, as you said, Claire, feel fundamentally threatened to their core by the fact that this white, beautiful Christian, former country singer, 
um, this this person who holds all of these outward MAGA markers, kind of, but doesn't agree with them, is a major part of the narrative of this traditionally male-dominated, kind of seen as, like, right-wing space. And there is... They are, they are scrambling. Like, there is this, this extreme fragility of masculinity that is being exposed by the fact that Taylor Swift is there, that she is bringing more young women into this traditionally male-dominated cultural experience. And there's this, yeah, this fear that this kind of, like, last bastion of traditional heterosexual masculinity will be tarnished by Swift's girlification. Mm-hmm. And also, obviously, this goes without saying, but, like, this is ridiculous on its face, given that, obviously, there were a lot of women who were into football before Taylor Swift yeah. dated Travis Kelsey. <laughs> but I think I've that this is the— i a lot of them. They're out yeah, there. They're out there. They're definitely <laughs> out there. But I think that this is um, a, a, the right-wing perception, at least in certain yeah. segments of the right. I mean, it is certainly the case that, like, although there are a lot of women and girls who are already into football— by bringing in suddenly a new audience of women and girls who were not previously into football, that makes the audience bigger, which is great for the NFL, but it also might shape the audience differently and and yep. change the incentives. And I think that men are like, no, we are this the core ours. audience. This should be made this for us. This is mine. I'm man baby. Yeah. <laughs> He's my man baby. No girls allowed. <laughs> This exactly. Is like, like yeah. you should be you should be producing this show around what I want to see. And what I want to see is men smashing each other and then hot anonymous cheerleaders. Right. They on the I, I only want women there if I can look at them as objects and pawns for my own entertainment. I do not want to see a woman there who has her own independent storyline. Yeah. Her own Even look at power. How- yeah, even look at how Jessica Simpson was treated back when she was yes. dating Tony Romo, who was the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Such a good and point. It did not help that he actually had a terrible season while they were together. At least part of the time they were together, he was playing very badly, and a lot of people blamed this on her. But, but like, why? Why would it be her fault? There was such an eagerness to put her in her place and be like, you're actually not a, a, a benefit to us to have you here. You might think you're a hot shot. You might think you're important, but you're actually a problem. Yeah, like you're, you're, you're Yoko. You're going to be the downfall. Yes, Yoko. Yeah. It is, it is yeah. very much that, like, don't ruin our precious space. Yeah. Let, let me watch men smash each other in peace. No girls allowed. Yeah, no pink jerseys with your boyfriend's name on it. Like, we don't we don't like having your kind here. It is it, like this is the new iteration of of that kind of attitude. And like I think that even like the gross AI uh, porn that we saw that was you know of her like at the Arrowhead Stadium and stuff was really inflected with this like yeah putting that bitch in her place energy. You know that that's. She's really sh- she's here to be a sex object, if anything. And, Absolutely, yeah. And I think the 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 last thing I want to say on this is that I think there is an element of this where right wing political figures are genuinely freaked out by someone like Swift mm-hmm. on a practical level. Like no one knows better than the MAGA crew the power of celebrity in this country. There is a reason Donald Trump is their guy. 
He is a celebrity. He has name recognition. That's a big part of his power. So I think that there is something very threatening to them about this woman that they can't control, who has a massive mm-hmm. platform, who who can harness the power of celebrity. And if she's not going to be on their side, she needs to be branded as a modern-day witch and or just the hapless pawn of Democrats. And I think you're right that that AI revenge porn feels very of a piece with this attitude. Yeah, I completely agree. There's so much more that we could, and I I wish we had time to really dig into. I do recommend uh, for further listening, if you haven't listened to it, uh, NPR's Code Switch did a really good episode uh, featuring cultural historian Addie Mamasani, which digs into Taylor Swift's particular brand of white girlhood, uh, the ways that she's been able to embody that and, and use it as her brand. And the racial element of this uh, is so key, and I think it also provides great context for why this relationship is having this effect on the right and also on lots of us who feel more positively about (laughs) the relationship because of the ways that, like, as white women especially, we feel like it's easy for us to identify with her. And so I really recommend checking that episode out. Now it's time for our cultural pairings, where we break down the classic rom-com tropes we see here and suggest other romantic media that might scratch a similar itch if you want more. We're going to first start by breaking down this relationship by rom-com tropes. Yes, the first one is the jock and the geeky or unpopular girl. I mean, that's just the classic. That is the first thing that I think a lot of us kind of attached ourselves to, that intense wish fulfillment. It is something that we see in so many, like, teen movies, for example. A lot of the ones that millennials grew up on. This girl who just needs to take her glasses off, and then the popular guy will see her for the gem that she is. Uh, And this is also something that Amy really spoke to in her LA Times column. She wrote, Travis going for the girl on the bleachers felt monumental, not only because Taylor finding her dream man would be the culmination of everything she'd written about for nearly two decades, but because I was once on the bleachers too. Yes, and how many of us have had that experience? I didn't come as close as Amy did by a long shot to having it kind of... uh, culminate in anything but I definitely had my little secret crushes on the the, the jock who was nice to me you know the jock who he's, was nice oh my right? god he's hot and he, he was so much cooler than me and he would never date me but he wasn't mean to me you know and oh and that god. fantasy can be fueled by as little as that that is why yeah. it's such a powerful archetype for for uh, uh, the readership of romance novels just made me think <laughs> women about like us just made me think about this guy who was on the basketball team and also did theater, did musical theater with me. And we were like dance partners in Hello, Dolly. And I just had the most intense crush on him. And he was so nice and definitely would never have dated me ever. But it was like, it it taps, yeah, it taps into that fantasy. Yes, we definitely have like a football (laughs) star uh theater kid crossover who was <laughs> that like was the this, nicest guy that's the sweet spot for us <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh the next one that i wanted to point out was 
I think we would call this the rebound romance. Um, It's the protagonist who has been kind of bruised by a romantic loss, like a widow or a divorce or really bad relationship, who, you know, seems she feels like maybe love is over for her. But then she regains faith in romance by meeting her unexpected perfect match. And I think that this is one that really, um, like, screams out to me from this relationship, even though I'm not sure it's really an accurate description of her actual situation. But it just feels like the situation she's in, right, from the public narrative around her. And I think that captures partly why so much of the discourse has to do with trashing Joe and how much he brought her down is because there's a desire to, like, fit her into this, this trope, which feels very like affirming and hopeful in some way, which is even when you're down and a guy has really treated you badly, you know, the next thing for you is going to be finding that perfect man who is going to be everything you ever needed. Oh, I'm just getting excited just hearing you talk about the trope. (laughs) And our final trope is secret relationship. As we know, they were dating secretly for a month or so before they rolled things out in order to keep public scrutiny at bay. And they revealed this once they were more established, which just has given people even more license to, like, go back and find all the little clues that were being dropped during that month. Yes, what is more enticing than a secret relationship? It's a little bit taboo. It, like, gives that little that little spice to the whole situation. makes you excited to find out more. And now should we discuss some some further reading, some some cultural pairings? You know, if you enjoy Taylor and Travis, can we interest you in a few movies, TV shows, and books? I mean, <laughs> this is my—honestly, I am so excited for this segment of our new series because I had a lot of fun. I think we both did trying to think of what would pair with Taylor and Travis. Yes. Let's start with— two potential movie pairings. We will just give one or two choices in each category. I think we settled on To All the Boys I've Loved Before, 2018, yes. a more a more recent rom-com based on a Jenny Han novel, and 2004's A Cinderella Story, which was your suggestion, Claire. And I have to say, yes. very astute, because Keely Teller literally compared Taylor and Travis to the characters in a Cinderella story. I mean, we have the star quarterback with the heart of a poet played by Chad Michael Murray. And we have the, you know, unpopular outsider girl that he falls for, who is actually played by pop singer Hilary Duff. (laughs) You know, it culminates in a big football moment after which they have, like, their romantic climax. It just really kind of is the high school version of Travis and Taylor. And to all the boys I've loved before, I love as a pairing because I think that Peter Kavinsky is kind of a slightly earlier step on this path to the Travis Kelsey archetype that that we're celebrating right now. He's the rehabilitation of the jock for girls like us as a romantic sensitive just a little injection of himbo energy without being stupid right it's like what if the jock was not mean what if he was good-hearted and warm and understood you and there was more to him than met the eye and a little goofy it's making me want to re-watch both of these movies right now 
For TV show pairings, we came up with the iconic WB show, One Tree Hill, another Chad Michael Murray offering. Apparently, he is just... (laughs) In this one, in One Tree Hill, he is both the outsider and the jock. He's kind of... He's both sides of this. When I watched this in high school and Nathan picked Haley, who is his tutor... Claire. I think I used to re-watch clips of them making out in the show, which is not a behavior I've engaged in before or since. It, it, it really unlocked that kind of Taylor and Travis, like, mania in me. The desire to re-watch the interactions and be like, the way he holds her so tenderly. <laughs> Let me tell you, when that first episode happened... I forget which one it was, but it was something where, like, their relationship was finally, like, it's gonna happen. They, like, got together. Yeah. I remember being in my friend's basement watching that. Like, I was so... It turned me into a Bethany Joy Lens absolute super fan. And I was just like, James Laffer. I was like, yes, Nathan Scott, Haley. Like, this is it for me. Because, yeah, Yeah. we were the Haley's. We saw ourselves in Haley. And I think think Taylor might have seen herself in Haley, too. And then I, I think we have a somewhat unconventional pick for... The book. Um, there's, I will say, tons of straight genre romance novels about dating athletes. I really encourage anyone to explore this whole genre if you're enjoying the Travis and Taylor of it all. It's never been my favorite romance trope, so I don't have any like personal picks. I don't usually read um, romance novels about athletes. But here's one to consider. Normal People by Sally Rooney. Honestly, this is such an inspired pick because... The energy between our two main characters in Normal People really captures, I think, the magic of Taylor and Travis. Mm -hmm. These two people that are kind of circling each other, that see each other, and that despite outsiders believing they would never be together, actually have an incredibly deep and romantic connection. Yes. And it's asynchronous, right? It's not um, all happening at the same time as with Taylor and Travis. But it is a case of a romance between two people who are very popular and powerful in their own circles. Yes. And 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 are not really, in their case, accepted by each other's circles. But their connection is strong enough that they keep coming back to each other. And so that's partly what I see as being a real... Uh, match with the the Travis and Taylor uh, story. So those are our recommendations for Swelsey fans this episode. And uh, yeah, we're excited to to keep doing some pairings with future relationships going forward. Yeah, and you know, reach out, let us know what you think of this episode, and also any other couples that you'd like to see us potentially tackle in the future, because this is going to be an ongoing series. And on that note, that is it for this episode of Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Talon Stradley. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please remember to follow us, rate us five stars, leave a review, and of course, spread the word about Love to See It to all of your friends. Yes, maybe have one of their people give an anonymous quote to page six 
about this show and how people are just really vibing with it and (laughs) enjoying spending time with it. (laughs) It's getting serious. (laughs) If you want to get in touch, you can email us at clarentemmapod at gmail.com. You can also find us on TikTok at love to see it pod and Instagram at clarentemmapod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at clarentemma.substack.com. I'm also on social media at Emma Lady Rose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back next week. Stitcher. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Drink responsibly. Beer reported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.